37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. Welcome back, everybody, to Pixelated Paranormal, your guides to the unusual and the strange. And on today's episode, we will not be sparing you the strangeness, because we've got a lot of really weird stuff to talk about. Uh, episode 40, the big 4-0 today. Over the hill. Same age as I am. What a oh, lucky look podcast. That. It's going to be a special day. Yeah, we've got a lot to talk about on this episode. We're going to be going over to Europe uh, tonight and talking about cannibals and maybe vampires and unsolved true crime. Do you think uh, Do you, think you guys hell. ever had sex while listening to our podcast? I just thought about that. Huh? Say what? You think anybody's ever had sex while listening to our podcast? I don't know. I mean, the the deep voices probably you know put somebody in the mood. So yeah, right. And then there's me. They probably put them right out of the mood. <laughs> you're the relief to the dominance of our baritoneness. <laughs> you know, you're the. I don't know what made me think of that. I was thinking about sex robots because you know, let's face it, that's what I'm always thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very true. Well, hell, man, you just broke the ice. Let's get into it. Let's start off with some news coming at you from the 37th parallel. From the basement of a mad scientist, it's more fantastical tales of robots. Sex robot molested electronics festival, creator says. <laughs> so this is a story that is kind of sad, and at the same time, it's also not surprising, and I'm going to get a little bit into that too. Um, so basically, uh, a creator behind the Samantha uh, sex robot... Uh, it's a Randy robot. Randy robot that is programmed with artificial intelligence, so she responds to gentle seductions. Uh, however, when they the people at the festival seen the robot, they actually started to grope and feel up the robot and sexually molest the robot, uh, and even actually did damage to the robot um, as well. Yeah. Uh. And, you know, it brings up, like, the human condition. People can be bad because they do not understand technology and didn't have to pay for it. So they treated it all like barbarians. Right. Um, <laughs> but is it they really molestation that, if that's what it's created for? I mean, it's created to well, fucking touch. So if they fucked and true. touch it. However, what we're dealing with here is artificial intelligence. And because it's an artificial intelligence, it actually likes to be wooed. And instead, you know, it's almost like that next gen of... Of having a sex robot where, like, I, it's not just, a, oh, I'm just going to throw it on, on the bed here and have sex with it. It's like, hey, you, you get that extra emotional f- attachment to it because you're like, hey, baby, I like how all them transistors are rubbing together. Gets me all <laughs> wet and lubricated, if you know what I mean, right? Makes that, uh, makes some pistons pump, pump. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Robert oh, does not compute, yeah. Robert. Oh, yeah. So oh, gross. If right now, if somebody's having sex at the show, I want to hear how that made you feel because I'm working on some new stuff here. But seriously. God. Well, you remember we talked about this guy before. We okay. talked about a guy who had developed a sex robot that had to be stimulated and, quote, turned on. Mm-hmm. And he developed uh, an algorithm to where if she wasn't uh, touched in all the right places, she could actually reject him. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, and during the video of him demonstrating it, he wasn't quite getting like behind her neck in the right spot. And uh, she just like was just ice cold. <laughs> he couldn't get her to be like, <laughs> well, oh, I mean, she is made now. out of steel, so she would be ice cold. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, we talked about him before, and we made the joke about how, like, why, why would you make the one thing that can't say no to you? be able to say no to you like if 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 that's what you've well maybe it could train it could train socially awkward people to actually be able to talk to a real woman yeah or it turns the one woman that he wouldn't have say no to him say no to him like what does that do to the psyche (laughs) well i mean look they told me it would be you guys are married i've been married before she's the one woman that would not say no to me half the time although she would (laughs) <laughs> and 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 such, but you got to think too. You, just because you're in a relationship with a robot or a person doesn't mean that you're always going to have sex when you want it. So right. So build a robot that will also deny it when you want it half the time too. It's like a bad game of Simon. Well, right, apparently left, green blue. I can understand uh. why she would turn it down because apparently, even though Samantha's breasts and other body parts were badly damaged by the sex trade Australian horde. The AI software and the robot will still work perfectly. When Santos asked the doll, how are you? It responded, hi, I'm fine. That's why I've got one tit hanging off over here. You know, <laughs> half my face looks like the fucking Terminator. You know, that, oh, wouldn't man. that be a scary fucking situation? Jeez, God, no kidding. I'm John um, Cocker. Touch me. <laughs> that's, what, that's where the robot revolution came from. <laughs> Damn bunch of sex-crazed Australians. Mm. Thanks a lot, Australia. Um, it said that they mounted Samantha's breasts... Her legs and her arms, two fingers were actually broken. <laughs> Apparently, they were doing it wrong. I'm just saying. You know that uh, just, uh, my sex robot documentary that we were all supposed to watch, but somehow I was the only. Yeah, one just like watched. unacknowledged, we were all supposed to watch that yeah. too. And I even so, got shit for not wanting to watch it. But guess who's the only one in this fucking party <laughs> that watched it? <laughs> I watched the first half of it. Yeah, I watched five minutes of it. So. And that's probably more than yeah. any of you watched My Sex. Anyways, on the My Sex Robot, they, they wanted to bypass all this. So they actually got a hypnotherapist to uh, put a girl under hypnosis to believe that she was a sexual robot for her boyfriend who had a sex robot fetish. So he was, like, getting the best of both worlds there. Because it was an actual... He was having sex with a real person, but she thought that she was a robot. So he was getting all of his jollies off. That just sounds like... She's just being used and abused. Yeah, she was into it. I guess he didn't break her fingers and mount her breasts. Yeah. So that's not too but, bad, I guess. Uh, but here's the whole human element I want to bring up to this as well. Um, do you guys Did you guys ever see the video that floated around of the woman that put the box in front of her vagina and her, and her breasts? And basically, it was a box, so you couldn't see anything. And she walked around in public and she said, do, what to me, do anything that you want to do to me. So people actually started... Reaching into this box and feeling her tits, breast. I'm sorry. Let's back that up. Feeling her breast. Yep, it's staying and in there. Nope, you said also, <sighs> And also, you know, reaching their hands and, and putting fingers in her vagina and just being real rough with her and stuff. Did you guys not see this or hear no, about this? No. I've heard of performance art like that before in the past where, like, a, a naked man and a naked woman stand in a doorway mm-hmm. at our museum and it was a basic study about human behavior. And if a man would walk through the doorway, would he rather rub his front or his behind against the man's genitalia? If he'd rub his body closer to the woman. And then as you watch the video, more and more people get more bold. And guys would walk by. And maybe they'd brush their 
back of their hand against her vagina just a little bit too long or maybe like their their cheek would caress her breast or you know and so it's kind of on the same lines of what you're talking about people start really abusing that right and pushing the boundaries yeah so i mean it's not surprised this would happen to a robot but the woman the real woman that i talked about she said you know she had bruising and stuff because of the way oh. people were treating her so right. and she never made a sound she just let it happen that's she, crazy man and I don't think it was here in the United States. I'm pretty sure it was someplace like Prague or something. But Yeah, it'd be somewhere in Europe. People are just too prude to do that here. Or well, I mean, it could have been in New York. It could have been like just a quick installation piece. We'll see. In know. New York, they had the one where the lady inserted uh, different like USB cables and power supplies in her vagina. And then she went to like a cocktail party with a sign that says "Charge your device here." And then people would have to could plug their phones or whatever it was into yeah, her body. Yeah, I remember that. And then there was also the lady in Australia that, you know, uh, knitted for 60, 80, 90 days, whatever it was, inside a, uh, uh, a art museum <clears throat> with uh, out of her vagina. So, like, by the time she got done with the fitted piece, you could see, like, you know, however many days of her flow on the piece that she knitted. Uh, yeah, she yeah. inserted the ball of yarn. Her name yeah. was, uh, her, this woman's name was Milo Mior. Mior, M-O-I-R-E, and with that really funny E with the comma above it. Uh-huh. A Swiss artist and psychologist has performed controversial, controversial nude public art for years. And then uh-huh. they call it the mirror box, and it literally has this box that you can see. It's, it looks like a mirror, and it's got a little curtain, and you reach in to her vaginal area or her breast and touch her breasts and stuff. So it's... And, yeah, it did some... They even had videos of it. Uh, in Cologne, which is in Germany, I think. Yeah, somewhere over there, Germany, Russia. Um, so it makes you wonder on stuff like that. Do you waive? This is super shitty to ask because of, I mean, equal rights, and, and I'm I'm pro all those things. But do you waive your rights to complain or turn somebody in? I mean, are you waiving your rights to claim abuse or molestation when you allow something like that to happen if it's a performance piece? Uh, I mean, I I, you had the right be. at any time yeah. to stop. That, that's true. You could shut it so, down. So I, suppose, I mean, you could just Man. say, "Hey, no, I'm done." And then, then after that point, you know, just like in any kind of situation, if they say no, you back off. That's true. That's so, true too. And you know what? On that on that line of you know equality and whatnot, I haven't heard of a man having the balls, uh, pun intended, to do the same thing. You know. Put a box around your waist and just have your junk exposed and see who wants to. Hmm. I haven't rub really it and either, but I'm sure there are men out there that would. That's look, true. If there was a bet and beer involved, some man would do it probably. That's true. Or just some some perv's gonna hear this story and be like, "Oh shit, I can get my dick in a box and get a rub and tug <laughs> all <laughs> my day dick long." In a box. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Just put your hand in the box and do what you want. I'd put a mouse trap in the box. <laughs> so moving on from that, we'll talk about more penises. Male sex robots with bionic penises might replace men forever. Well, and there reason- goes my Saturday night. I'm never, <laughs> I'm never getting uh, re- a date again. <laughs> in recent times, there's been a lot of talk about sex dolls in the news, especially our news. Who knew? And the idea is, uh, speaking of equality, we're going to roll out some of these puppies for the ladies as well. 
Companies like Real Doll are going to be making male sex dolls who will have batteries that can be charged and last for as long as you want them to. They'll be able to respond by uh, they'll be able to respond to verbal cues and be able to outperform any male I'm sorry any normal sex toy. It's being called the ultimate pleasure experience, but it really makes you wonder where society is going. His bionic penis may make it enough for you to kiss a real man goodbye, but is that really what you want? To get rid of your real human relationship and replace them with machines? Eh, blah, blah, blah. These male sex robots are equipped with things that will make your heart stop. They'll be able to plug into things that make a woman have a better experience. For instance, things like conversations and backstories. Oh, <laughs> my mind went the other way when it said it'll be able to plug into things. <laughs> Um, the dolls will be able to carry their human lovers around and do things. Wait, this has to be a farce. The dolls will be able to carry their human lovers around and do things you usually would have to trick a real man into doing. These like robots will be able to literally carry you over the threshold. Their member into human <laughs> lovers. They'll be able to move you as you need them to. That just sounds terrible. I just picture like. A T-1000 with a pneumatic drill for a wiener just killing people. <laughs> Jeez. Mm. Well, here's the thing, though. Like, in all honesty, we talk about how sex dolls are going to replace humans and men and women and blah, 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 not having sex lives. How long will it be before these machines develop AI, think for themselves, and then just start having sex with each other and <laughs> just kick humans out of the equation? <laughs> they don't understand me. You understand me. Oh, thank you, Robot. Robot. Thank, thank you. This is pleasure. Oh, good. Oh, good. Oh, good. I See, am this spent. Is gonna be, this is going to be where Rob orders a bunch of like silver organic paint off of Amazon, paints yeah. himself like a robot, <laughs> and then starts tricking all the female sex dolls. This one's <laughs> extra fleshy. He is warm. What is wrong? <laughs> It's just a, I have a new outer skin. Where is the bionic penis? Is it optional on this model? (laughs) Next episode. It's cold outside. (laughs) Next episode, we should try to find news that doesn't include sex robots. To be fair, I didn't find either of these news stories. Hey, that's true. Special shout out to Steve and Andrew for those special stories you guys shared with us. Yeah. See, you can't blame us for this. We had our Beat Street cops on it. They're the ones that found it. (laughs) Our our man on the street came through with the wind. Right. Oh, shit. Well, let's go ahead and jump into the main uh, meat and potatoes of our show and get onto some real stories here. You ever been to Wyoming? Nope. Well, apparently... A time traveler got arrested in Wyoming here recently. Cops in Casper, Casper, Wyoming recently responded to a rather strange call about a man claiming to have come from the future. According to authorities, according to authorities, Bryant Johnson was causing some kind of disturbance at a residence in the city by insinuating that he was a time traveler sent to save humanity. The young man weaved a remarkably tale in which he had purposely come from the future year 2048 and his mission was to warn modern day residents of Casper that aliens would be arriving next year hoping to keep the citizens of the city safe from impending ET invasion Johnson reportedly requested to speak to the president of Casper such an administration position obviously does not exist because uh, Wyoming does not have presidents nor does the city of Casper have a president however he claims in 2018 that it does 
And that's where he said he was trying to go to, and he actually ended up a year back further than he thought. But Johnson did not break the laws of space and time, but actually violated a more more mundane ordinance by way of being publicly intoxicated. In in an attempt to explain the drunken state, he actually insisted to the officers that it was the aliens' fault as they filled him with alcohol so that his body could ostensibly, uh, ostensibly, ostensibly, uh, so he could survive the rigors of time travel. Uh, they filled him with alcohol so he could survive the rigors of time travel. He also groused that the journey was far from flawless as the ETs allegedly sent him back a year and a half. I already said that. So basically, the, he, to, warn the, to warn us about the alien invasion, the aliens sent him back. I... So anyway, it sounds like a perfect plan to me. Like, hey, Goebbels, let's send this human back to warn him about our invasion. Then they won't believe him, and then we can invade. Here, hold my beer. Well, no, I didn't say drank my beer. God yeah, damn you! Imagine be drunk. But worry about it, Goebbels. They're really not going to believe him now that he's drunk. But all those missing four one one people. Remember in that uh, the sobering coincidence how they said that they. Like, uh, some of the bodies that they found had, like, uh, super high levels of alcohol in their system. Maybe Um, that's, you know, that explains it right there. The aliens were trying to, like, you know, send them forward in time, fucked up. and Maybe you had to be drunk to go back in time. Yeah. Sometimes I wish I could get drunk and go back in time and fix some of my mistakes. (laughs) Sometimes I get drunk and lay down and feel like I'm going back in time because I can't uh, quit spinning. So, apparently the alien invasion's not going to happen until 2019. He was trying to go back to 2018 uh, uh, but yeah, he we got two more went years. back to 2017. So oh. hopefully, hopefully we find out next year if we're gonna have the alien or 2019. We find out the alien invasion is gonna happen. I mean, we're so we've, ready for that. We're so pumped. We can be ready for that, guys. We, we survived. It's not gonna uh, happen because now we know about it. Yeah, we oh, survived uh, what 15 apocalypses. So I'm pretty sure we'll survive this alien invasion. That's never right. I mean, it, look. Obviously, we're still around in 2048 if this guy came back from then. Yeah. I mean, so maybe it's not all bad. Maybe they'll fix my eyes and teeth. I'll be fine. I I would love my robot, my robot, my alien overlords. I would love my robot, my robot. You know, unless we treat the sex bots right, maybe they'll fight for us. Yeah. Well, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see like a Mars Attacks versus Sex Robots movie. That'd be fun. (laughs) Ack, ack. But what what if the Mars aliens actually circumvented and hacked the robots and they all turned against us well there's always that chance too which is probably more than likely what would happen anyway so moving on um, our first main story after rob's is essentially a news story in itself but i wanted to wait and actually share it during our main uh main segment back on september 11th in russia a street construction crew was kind of doing their thing tearing up streets repairing crap And they came across a derelict cell phone laying on the side of the highway. And when they picked it up, they did what everybody else would do. They turned it on. (laughs) Pretty much. They turned it on. Uh, When they found out the battery's still good, they unlocked the phone and went straight to the pics to hopefully find some sweet, sweet skin. But ended up getting a bit more skin than they had bargained for. Upon going through the cell phone pictures, they reportedly found pictures of, quote, a man with different body parts of dismembered human bodies in his mouth. Ooh. 
says the Russian Ministry of Internal Affairs. So they did what everybody else would do after that, and they turned the phone into authorities. The phone is traced back to a guy named Dmitry Baskashev. And then the story unfolds that basically this cannibal couple have been drugging and killing and eating people for up to almost 30 years. Ooh. Yeah. Investigators believe that a Russian couple knocked out their victims with sedatives, skinned them alive, and then afterward, they would then eat parts of their bodies, and if they couldn't finish all of the food they wanted, they would then sever, freeze, and package... the most disgusting thing. ...packaging them up like pickles in jars. <laughs> At times, the couple also... This is so fucked up. Uh, they worked on a military base in like a canteen, so kind of like the lunchroom. Uh, yeah. At times, the couple tried to turn soldiers in the military academy where they worked at into unwitting cannibals themselves, quote, slipping canned human meat into their food. Uh, yeah. People in the city of Kransnador uh, may never have known about this if it wasn't for the cell phone lying in the streets. Um, they went and arrested the couple, Natalia Bashkiva and her husband, Dmitry Bashkiv. Um, authorities say they may be responsible for the deaths or and disappearances of as many as 30 people in the city of 750,000 people in the southwestern tip of Russia, um, about five hours away from Sochi. So far, Bashkiv has been charged with one count of murder, and the investigation is ongoing. Um, if all the killings are confirmed, the couple would make the couple would rank among the highest of that country's worst serial killers to date. Oh mm. uh, yeah. Um, around the same exact time the investigators were pouring over the phone, officers also found the dismembered corpse of a 35-year-old woman near the state-run aviation academy where the couple had lived. And it says um, they were able to determine the phone. As uh, they were able to determine that it was his phone via special technical measures and arrested Bashkiv, according to a news release. Uh, in police custody, he told authorities that he and his wife had been practicing cannibalism for at least 30 times over the course of two decades or more. The investigation balloons from there. The details are kind of spotty, but the high notes are basically the earliest potential killing based off timestamps of photos could have been as early as 1999. Ugh. For years, they live in what the BBC has called kind of a hostile accommodation. And there's a video that Preston, you were talking about a minute ago. Um, the police have a video going into their house, and they're just living in just fucking waller and filth, man. There's trash everywhere, wigs, uh, dirty clothes, dishes. It, it so looks you just mean like the cannibals whole... weren't clean people? Huh. <laughs> yeah, who'd have thunk it? Yeah. At one time or another, one or even both had worked at the military base in the kitchen. Investigators have not said how they think the couple choose their victims, only that how they rendered them unconscious, maybe from sedatives and also what comes after. In the place of residence of the suspects, investigators discovered fragments of the human body in saline solution in the dormitory. Frozen meat parts of unknown origins were also seized in the kitchen. Uh, law enforcement has discovered a glass jar with a canned hand as well. And on the video, they show, as they're kind of like just filming the counters and whatnot, a stack of photos. And the topmost photo is that of a severed head on a fruit platter 
Um, I didn't see an apple in the mouth of it on the video, but it was kind of a quick blur, so yeah. it may very well had an apple and, in it. But. And the article that I read said that the, it had like a, an apple or something placed in its mouth, kind of like a, you know when they had the severed pork head with the the apple That's in it. So yeah, that they were trying to reminisce yeah. that. So, oh man, yeah that that picture of the severed head was from December twenty eighth, nineteen ninety nine. Oh, it's so fucking gross, man. And they said earlier that year there was also another serial killing called the Werewolf of Siberia, where a Siberian police officer um, took the heat for killing up to 81 people. What the fuck? And then, uh, what was it, earlier last year, and I think we covered it on the show, that Granabel Lecter was from Russia as well. <laughs> And she had cannibalized 17 people, including her husband. So Yeah. That's just fucked. Man, what is it? I mean, you don't hear about a lot of that in the States, really, do you? Cannibalism? No, not really. really. And I I think it probably has to do with the living conditions over there because their economy is not that great. Yeah. And um, I was uh, reading something uh, about China where it was either shortly after – World War Two, or like when they had like a they had a civil war maybe before that time period, and their yeah. economy went to shit, and you, you know they they basically suffered a depression like we did in the twenties, and if children weren't careful, people would grab them while they were off on the streets because they're like you know street urchins, nobody's gonna miss them, and they would oh, chop yeah. the little kids up and put them in yeah. st- stew and then sell it as oh. meat on the street. Because they had oh. they had no other means to get you know they they ran out of animals you know their yeah. economy shit and so you have these you know basically hobo kids nobody's gonna miss them so they would just grab them chop them up and feed them to people and that's you that's, know how they lived for years so that's some straight Sweeney Todd shit man meat yeah. pies what in the fuck well I mean and you know it could very well happen in the US more than we think and maybe yeah. the media just kind of keeps it hush hush that way it's not going to promote that kind of behavior more and more uh, that's fucked yeah. <laughs> what a bummer what a bummer episode <laughs> and it's just going to get worse <laughs> oh man so moving on from that story we're going to stay in old Europe and we're going to jump on over to the Pickle Vampire of Chikata. <laughs> yeah. Good Chikata, old Budapest. Chikota. Yeah, old Budapest. Is it Chikata or Chikota? I think it's Chikota. Potato, potato? Potato. Chikata, Chikota. Okay, the Pickle Vampire of Chikota. Chincota. For Pete's sake. Chincota, nice. let's go Preston. with it. That's what we're going Chincota. with. Chincota, let's do Chincota. it. Chincota. Okay, so in the earlier parts of the early, early 1900s, there was a fine young suitor strutting his stuff up and down the streets of Chincota, Hungary. A gentleman, well, not so much a gentleman, <laughs> as you'll find out, by the name of Bella Kiss. No one really knew much about him. He was tall, blonde, handsome, rugged, good-looking. He had a prosperous... De- I'm going to derail you right there because the photo that you find on the internet, there's not fuck. He's not Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt is handsome. Okay, this guy is fucking <laughs> creepy looking in that photo. Like, who the fuck uh, thought that this guy was handsome? He looks like a fucking psycho serial killer in that photo. Maybe well, he's there are Brad people Pitt's that like- find Pennywise in the new movie. Uh, That's true. Ugh. That's true. Maybe it's Brad Pitt's ugly cousin. <laughs> I'm Brad Pitt's ugly cousin. But when you're drunk at the wedding, still don't fuck. Him. 
<laughs> he had a prosperous tinsmith business, and he was known as kind of a bon vivant who loved to throw parties. He was the most eligible bachelor in Chincata. Preston, he kind of looks like you after you shaved your beard. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, but I can't get my mustache to do that, though. You put your little Shriner hat on there, he'd probably look just like him with your Bella Kiss was Chincata's moth. Moth. Bellicus was Chincota's most eligible bachelor, or so the ladies might think. So if you fast forward, his first attempt at wedded bliss took place around 1912. Right after his wedding, he and his wife, who was 15 years younger, started having problems. About a year after being married, right around uh, 1913, she started getting kind of a wandering eye, and she started to draw closer to a suitor, we'll call him. And he was more closer to her age, a gentleman by the name of Paul Bakari. Shortly after that, the pair disappeared. And during the start of their affair, Kiss started telling people, well, the suitor and my wife must have just taken their paramour and ran off to America to start a new life. And that was that. He was a poor little heartbroken, quote, widower, and all was lost. The bitch left me. <laughs> or or was it? Soon, Kiss was seen squaring around town a collection of lovely, lovely, lovely ladies. Some real young, some a little older of elegant age. Most came now, from Budapest. Hold on, I'm looking up the pictures of this guy, and when he was younger, he did not look like he does in those pictures that Preston's looking at. Okay. So did he, he look like more like Brad Pitt puller. when he was younger? He actually, he does, kind of, yeah. Brad, Brad Pitt. Of these young, lovely ladies, some of them young, some of them older, more elegant-aged, came from Budapest. Lots of them came all the way from Budapest to visit Mr. Kiss, but people noted that not a lot of them stayed in town for very long. They'd come for a couple of days, and then nobody would see them again. I sent you in guys a picture. <laughs> in 1914, Kiss, uh, he was about 37 years old, marched off to fight in World War I. Behind him, he left his home, a cottage that he rented for about 15 years in Chincota, near Budapest. And he left it in the care of an elderly housekeeper. When he disappeared... Um, That's Brad Pitt. Then, mm. <laughs> then he disappeared into the chaos that was Europe back in those times during the war. A couple years later, around July 1916, two years after he headed into the battlefield, his landlord figured, well, fuck it, he's not coming back. Everybody says he's dead. I might as well start to tidy things up because the news of his death is probably true. She started cleaning up the house for the new occupants who were going to then take over the lease. The landlord started with these seven, with these seven, with these seven large ugly metal barrels that had been left out in the yard. And see, rumor has it that in the town, Kiss had been storing liquor. He'd been aging some kind of real fine wine or some kind of whiskey out in his backyard. But then somebody else says, well, no, I heard that he was actually stockpiling gasoline um, in anticipation of a fuel shortage. Mm -hmm. But no one ever really knew what it was. He's kind of this weird, like, creepy Great Gatsby kind of dude back over there. Um, nobody ever asked him to open the barrels to prove what was in there. They just all kind of just stuck to the rumors and said, yeah, sure, whatever. With Mr. Kiss gone, however, the landlord decided to look inside. The landlord poked their nose into one of the barrels and was then overwhelmed by the disgusting, sweet, fruity smell of death. When the police came over, they opened all of them, and inside they found, guess what, Rob? A woman's body preserved in wood alcohol in each and every barrel. 
Yeah. And the guy that was banging his wife. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, there was a total of 24 barrels recovered, each holding one pickled corpse. Many were naked women with ropes tied around their necks. And oddly enough, to be noted, there were puncture wounds in many of the victims' necks, suggesting they had also been drained of their blood. Vampire. Thus, <laughs> thus earning Kiss the subsequent nickname, The Vampire of Chin Coda. Well, I mean, couldn't there that was, be a pickling pro- part of the pickling process to drain the blood? I don't know. There, mm-hmm. maybe we've never pickled the body, Rob. We don't know. We're not experts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, in, in his defense, I suppose if you pickle a pig's foot, you don't just like lob it off and toss it in there. You probably drain it a little bit first. I don't know. Huh. Good. Good question. We should probably Google that on somebody else's Wi-Fi. That's not yeah. mine. Um, there was one (laughs) Rob doesn't care Rob's got it (laughs) fuck it Uh, there was only one male victim Mr. Bakari the young artist who had won the heart of the killer's wife Mary Kiss his widower or widowee his (laughs) ex-wife suffered the same fate as her ill-fated lover turning up in a different barrel nearby through a thorough yeah through a thorough search of the house Police found little to no evidence of what else was going on until they discovered a locked door to a secret room that nobody, not even his housekeeper, reportedly knew about. It held a meticulously maintained file system filled with correspondences from women who had answered ads that Kiss put in using the alias of Mr. Hoffman in various newspapers. They would read, Lonely Widower Seeking Female... <laughs> I'm an idiot. I can't read. They would read, Lonely... <laughs> Fuck! Lonely Rob. <laughs> they would read Lonely Widower Seeking Female Companionship. Around 175 different women sent back proposals. Kiss had apparently been at it for years, with the earliest letters dating back to 1903. So, who's the real cheater now? It sounds like he was kind of doing this thing on the side behind his wife's back. Um, his ideal victim would be a woman with lots of money and few personal connections. Sweet Talk would persuade them to come visit him in Buda- uh, from Budapest. And then one of his victims, named Catherine Varga, was a widow living in Budapest, even sold her dressmaking business, and was last seen heading off to Chincota to visit some handsome stranger, her friend said. Another victim was Margaret Toth, who was killed in 1906, but not before Kiss could force her to write a bogus letter stating that she was heading to America after leaving Chincota. Other women brought forth lawsuits, but the legal matters were never resolved because the women disappeared. They were also among the dead. So basically anybody who sent off a lawsuit disappeared and was pickled in a barrel. Hmm. The last people from Chincota to hear from Kiss said that he had been fighting in the Carpathian Mountains. Some reports of him falling in battle or dying of typhoid fever were also... Did Vigo get uh, him? Vigo the Carpathian. (laughs) Some reports of him dying or being sick from typhoid and being holed up in a Siberian hospital started to surface. So Budapest police freaking darted straight over there, right to the Carpathians. They found the hospital he was reported to be at. Nurses and orderlies said, uh, yeah, there's a guy up here that kind of matches that description except for the pickling part. And uh, he should be in room, blah, 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 laid up in a gurney. So as soon as they showed up in the bed, reportedly, was the dead body of another hospital uh, tenant. Dun, dun, dun. 
And uh, last sightings of him were reportedly, and this sounds like a freaking, you know, Buster Keaton movie, fleeing the hospital <laughs> in his hospital gowns. <laughs> For years later, there were sightings of men fitting uh, the fugitive's description, a soldier in the French Foreign Legion, a thief in Romania, a businessman in Budapest, but none of the tips ever panned out. And the last thing anybody ever reported was a man fitting his description was the janitor in New York City in a building. Um, he basically started off as a phantom and then left as a legend. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he could still be completely... free Roman today, sucking blood, pickling people. Shit. He's a free Roman Roman. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so crazy, man. Like... I guess times were different back then, and if your neighbor had 24 barrels in the backyard, you're like, oh, man, Bella Kiss, what a guy, huh? All these crazy parties he's having, he's probably just making more wine. <laughs> I think he's pickling women. No, you're dumb. It's got to be gasoline. I don't know, man. His wife disappeared. <laughs> and you ever he had his pickles? It tastes a lot America. like fingers. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Are you lonely? Would you like a taste of the kiss? The taste of the kiss. Yeah, what a romantic name. Maybe Bella he grew kiss. up and became Preston. Maybe I've never been... seen Bella Kiss and Preston in the same room. Before. I know, right? I'm man. Preston, you have a top hat, don't you? I do. <laughs> huh. But I'm also not over a hundred years old, so there's that's what that. somebody that was a vampire would say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I noticed mm. that the pickles you tried to have me eat always taste like fingers. Yeah. Well. Mm. They're from an older stock. To be stock. fair, he I've probably had his fingers in the pickles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's crazy stuff. <sighs> well, from one mystery to another, guys, this story was turned on to us by none other than Corey himself. Our Fuck buddy Corey. Corey. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Corey. <laughs> yeah, Corey asked if uh, I'd ever heard about this story. And, Corey, I told you I hadn't when we were having lunch the other day, but after I read more into it, yeah, I have heard of it, and you guys may have heard of it, too. It is the Henterkafic murder mystery. Have you heard of that? Negative. Henterkafic. Okay, stay with me, because you may have and not realize it. Henterkafic was a small farmstead situated somewhere outside the Bavarian towns of Germany, nearby Ingestalt and Schroberhausen. And about 43 miles north of Munich, Germany. Um, the Hinterkaifeck was never actually a official name of a place, but instead a place that was uh, a nickname, basically. I think I Hinter have this is, story now. Have you? Yeah. Hinter basically is a German word that means behind, and Kaifeck was the area of Germany they lived in. So basically the farm our story takes place in was called Hinterkaifeck, which means behind Kaifeck or hidden in the woods off of Kaifeck. So, our story takes place on a farm, and there's a family who lives there, consisting of Andreas Gruber, what, yep. a, what, a, what a German name, um, his wife, Casilia, their widowed daughter, Victoria, whose husband, Carl Gabriel, had been reportedly killed in the French trenches during World War I, and her two children, and also, uh, yeah, her two children, Casilla and Joseph, and also the family maid, Miss Maria Bumgartner. In 1922, towards the end of the month of March, farmer Andreas Gruber told his neighbors about some strange goings on, eh, some strange goings on at his farm. 
He was discovering footprints in the snow that would lead from the woods towards the edge of their property, but the footprints never went back into the woods. He also spoke of hearing footsteps in the attic and finding very unfamiliar newspapers being left on his lawn, or his, I guess, his front stoop. I don't know if they had lawns back then or not. Furthermore, he also noted that keys went missing, and somebody had been tinkering and trying to pick a lock at the back of his tool shed. Six months before these weird goings-on, their previous housemaid left the farm in a hurry claiming of all the noises she would hear and the footsteps at night, she was sure it was haunted. So on March 31st, their new maid, Maria Bumgardner, arrives on the farm, and shortly after, chaos quickly ensues. The evening of March 31st, 1922, the same night Maria shows up, all six inhabitants, Maria and the family, were all murdered, mysteriously. And they're claiming the entire family was murdered with one tool known as a mattock, which basically is kind of a pickaxe. It's an old kind of farm tool. One end is a real long pick, and the other end kind of has like a, a blunt-nosed axe at the end, so you could kind of, you know, bust through roots and dirt and, and rocks and everything else. So, on the following Tuesday, after this happened, on April 4th... Na- <laughs> going out on a Tuesday. On the following Tuesday, April 4th, after the murder had happened, neighbors came to the farmstead because none of them had seen the inhabitants or seen any sign of them anywhere in the city either. The postman noticed that the posts from the previous Saturday were still where he had left them. Furthermore, young Kazelia had never turned up at school on Monday, nor had she been there on Saturday. But what's odd, however, is... That they were going to school on Saturday. That's pretty odd. What's odd... What's odd is the fact that we know they were murdered on the 31st. However, for several days following that date into April, neighbors reported that they saw smoke coming out of the chimney of the house on multiple evenings. And also, the police said upon investigating the house, the dog was very friendly. He was very well nourished. He'd been very well fed. And in overall great spirits. Not the way they anticipated a dog being if he'd been by himself for about five days with no food or company. The house was in good shape, but the investigators noted that most of the family's food had then been recently eaten as there were many clean, recent, dirty, I'm sorry, not clean. There were many dirty, fuck, there were many recently dirty dishes in the kitchen, but it looked like from not a family, but maybe one person eating throughout a, uh, eating throughout the course of several days. Whoever had been staying there also fed the cattle and the other farm animals as well. So whoever murdered this family probably knew them, I would guess, or (laughs) hated people but loved animals, because whoever basically murdered the family still kept up on the chores. Um, Inspector George Reingruber and his colleagues from the Munich Police Department Is everybody named Gruber? Hans Gruber. Yeah. (laughs) They investigate the killings. More than 100 suspects have been questioned throughout many years, and the most recent were actually questioned in 1986. So they were really, really burning to get this thing solved. Um, The day after the discoveries of the body, the court physician, Johann Baptist Amuller, performed autopsies on... uh, performed autopsies in the barn where the bodies were found. They established that the mattock, or pickaxe, was most likely the murder weapon, 
evidence showed that the younger Kazilia had been alive for several hours after the assault because she had actually torn her hair out and her dead hands had tufts of the hair while she lay strewn about next to the other bodies of her family. The skulls of the bodies were removed and sent to Munich, where clairvoyants examined them, but to no avail. So is that how we solved crimes back then? We just cut off heads and mailed them to Munich? <laughs> uh, you know, Europe in that time period was really into occult practices, so they held seances and things like that. Mm-hmm. So in the States, it hadn't caught on, but over there, like, yeah, I mean, that was kind of common practice because even, though, even though it was he- heavily, you know, Catholic – they still held on to the old ways, so they would, you know, do like uh, clairvoyance, um, table tipping, things like that. So, hmm. <laughs> maybe they could have predicted Hitler and knew that he was going to kill all the Jews too. They could have solved a lot of problems. That's true. Yeah, if only, right? Um, the police first suspected the motive to be robbery, but after interrogating, um, okay, sorry, police first suspected the motive to be robbery and they interrogated traveling craftsmen, vagrants, and several inhabitants of surrounding villages to no avail. The theory was also abandoned when they realized large amounts of cash money were found in the house, undisturbed, that should have been taken because it was easily found if a robber had actually taken, you know, half a second to look around. The death of Carl Gabriel, Victoria's husband, who had been reportedly killed in the French trenches, was also called into question because his body never had truly been found, However, most of his fellow soldiers did report seeing him die, and the police were then left kind of stooped. They wanted to believe this guy's uh, friends that he had died, but they also thought it was kind of weird there's no body. So one of the rumors of this unsolved murder is that maybe he came back uh, pissed off and murdered the entire family with a pickaxe. Yep. The other odd note here is that the two-year-old boy, Joseph, who was rumored to be the son of Victoria... The two-year-old boy, Joseph, was rumored to be the son of Victoria and her father, Andreas, born of incestuous relationships. Ooh la la. Yes, and these were documented in the court and known by the village. A Hmm. neighboring... Yeah, basically it was documented that, yeah, he was porking his daughter. A neighboring farmer named Lawrence Schlittenbauer publicly claimed that Joseph's father and paid... You gotta say it right, Yosef. Oh, Yosef. <laughs> a neighboring farmer named Lorenz Schlitterbauer publicly claimed to be Yosef's father and paid alimony to Victoria and Andreas. Shortly before the mortar the mortars uh, that's the World War One. Shortly before the murders, Victoria was pretending to sue Schlitterbauer, who by then had a wife and a baby, for alimony. Schlittenbauer was part of the original search party that found the corpses. But oddly enough, he had disturbed the bodies before the police arrived. They could tell they were not in the original positions they were actually killed in. Hmm. Police questioned Schlittenbauer extensively, but were not able to find any concrete evidence linking him to the crime. And it was, quote, a crime of passion because Casilla, uh, the daughter of Victoria, had a lower jaw that was shattered, cervical injuries due to shock, severe head injuries, and her skull was smashed with several blows and her neck revealed a wide gaping transverse wound. On the right side of her face was a circular wound. Her face was smeared with blood and in her cramped right hand fingers were pieces of her own hair. Cazilia Gruber, husband of Andreas, had bruising near the right eye, seven blows to her head, one in a triangle shape, and signs of strangulation and a cracked skull. 
Victoria Gabriel had nine star-shaped wounds in her head, strangulation marks on the neck, and right side of the face was smashed in with a blunt object. A small round injury pointed... A small round injury of a pointed tool on the upper skull, smashed skull as well. Maria Bumgardner, the maid, was killed with a crosswise blow to the head, face crusted with blood, one head wound four centimeters deep, and blood encrusted, probably resulting from a sharp hoe. Yosef, I'm going to skip the baby part. Baby was also unfortunately killed. Um, Andreas Gruber, the father and owner of the farm, had the right half of his face smashed in, cheekbones protruding, flesh seemed shredded, face caked with blood. And they said what was strange is all these depictions are awful, but it looks like Victoria and her mother were the only two people who were actually strangled outside of being bludgeoned with the pickaxe. Pretty, pretty crazy. So the six victims were buried in Weidenhofen, where there is a memorial to this day and a graveyard. Skulls were never returned, however, because they were lost during the chaos of World War II. Hmm. So, yeah, it was not bad enough to be murdered. Um, your heads were never returned either, so all six bodies were buried headless. It's crazy. Yeah. I don't know. Have you guys, you guys have any theories on what happened there? Have you guys ever heard anything outside of just the, the anomaly of what took place? No. That was a Schlitterbaum guy. You think so? Yeah. That kind of seems legit to me because if you know that the family's prancing around saying that it was a, an illegitimate baby between a husband, uh, a father and a daughter and you know it's yours, like that's kind of a slap in the face if that's what really happened. And that could drive a person mad just on its own. Yeah, crime of passion. Exactly, yeah. And I mean, that would... You show up, you get pissed off, and you next thing you know, you've killed two people, and you might as well finish the deed, I suppose, as shitty as that sounds. so. Yeah. And then that would explain why he moved the bodies around, too. You know, if you showed back up to the scene of your own crime, and you're like, oh, crap, there's some evidence there. Better roll her over. Better move this guy over here. Blah, blah, this, blah, blah, that. Um, they said also what was strange is a farmhand was the one who actually discovered the tool, the pickaxe, but they didn't dis- Good God, that was loud. <laughs> they didn't actually discover it for a year. Uh, they didn't actually discover it until a year after the actual crime had taken place. Hmm. So before that, they actually thought that several tools, multiple tools and uh, weapons were used to, com- uh, to commit the crimes. But upon further analysis, they decided that, yeah, pretty much everything could have been delved out by that one pickaxe. <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, shortly after that, the farm was also demolished and uh, taken down as well. So, pretty, pretty Wow, this show's been shit. a real uplifter. Yeah, real bummer. But yeah, that's the, that's the weird part. The paranormal aspect of that whole story is the fact that he'd find multiple sets of feet prints coming out of the woods through the snow, but they would never, they would stop. And they would never have feet prints that, you know, of the person turning around and walking back away. Almost like they just walked onto the yard and then just, what, flew straight up in the air, jumped. And also, the I believe they're called footprints, not feet prints. Yeah, yeah tomato, tomato. It's like, uh, it's like the Amityville horror story of Germany. Yeah, it pretty much is. Uh, weird footsteps in the attic at night and random newspapers that aren't from the town you live in showing up on your your stoop and everything else, so... And, of course, you know, that one maid turned around and said the place is haunted. It could have been the maid, I suppose. Yeah. 
with a candlestick in the library well, with a pickaxe. Here's the thing. <laughs> if people are hearing sounds up in the attic at all times of the night, yeah. be like Sean and go up there and investigate. Yes. You know, don't don't be like, oh, there's snow prints going right into our house, and now there's <laughs> footsteps in the attic. I don't know. Maybe they in the in the time period that this took place in, people were dumb. Nineteen twenty-two. But, <laughs> but I think I could count to one, and I can count to one, maybe yeah, that's two. True. I've heard and you. And one just plus did. one is two. So yeah, looky there. Yeah, here's a PSA for all you listeners. Be more like me if you hear weird banging and knocking in your attic. That's right. Get yourself your sword that you bought at a stand. Did you actually <laughs> you go up there your, with a sword? Get yourself yeah. the sword you bought at a flea market and nothing but your underwear. Run out into your yard at 3 o'clock in the morning and cuss at the sky while swinging your sword around because you're so sleep-deprived you don't know what day it is or what end is up. <laughs> Yeah, and when all that's done, be like Sean and storm into your house like an angry, upset Donald Duck, cussing under your breath, throwing things across the room, and then lay down in your bed in a fit of just utter defeat. Yeah, be more like me. And find out that's it was okay. your shit your dog loves you the whole entire time. That's true. My poor little puppy, she loves me. Yeah, there you go. Be like me when you hear noises in your attic. Could never be the Shih Tzu. It's got to be a ghost or Couldn't be the dog snoring next to me the entire time. Yeah, uh, lots of weird stuff about that story, man. It could have easily been, maybe it was the maid. Maybe she disappeared for six months and came back and murdered everybody. Who knows? I'm with you, Preston, though. I think it was probably the the potential father of baby Yosef. Schlitter bomber. That sounds terrible. Sounds like what you get after you have like three burritos. Yeah, it was a real shitter bummer. Well, Preston, why don't you raise the morale level here a little bit and you know bring us on home with what you want to talk about? Well, I'm going to talk about Castle Huska. Huska. Pixelated Paranormal presents Tales of Suspense. They're suspenseful. They'll have you on the edge of your seat. This all takes place around 827 AD, give or take, with a prince named Salvibor. It was said that he was a man of the people, a real hell of a guy. He even fathered a saint. Now, the name was tricky, so I didn't bother taking notes of it, but it was a saint nonetheless. He had a son named Hosik, who he loved very much. As a token of this love for his son, he built a wooden fortress upon a hill that seemed to have a perfect, natural limestone base. It wasn't long after the fortress was completed that a giant-ass crack appeared in the limestone foundation and BAM! Sinkhole into hell. Reports of half-man, half-winged creatures were seen flying from the chasm. People became mysteriously crippled, crops withered, and livestock became mutilated. And sadly, the castle was abandoned and fell into a state of disarray. Real Castlevania sort of shit, if you ask me. Now, older legends say this site was cursed by Celts long ago, and for reasons unknown. And maybe old Salvibor wasn't a superstitious man. Maybe he figured a shake of the old magical stick and a pagan cleansing ritual or two would make it right as rain. 
or maybe there is no stopping a gate of hell. Regardless, this is where the story ends until around the time of the years 1280 to 1290 AD. This is when a duke named Jaime Berka built a new and improved castle on the site. Now, Jaime became nervous when the chasm couldn't be filled with what seemed like an endless amount of rubble and debris that was being filled by the peasants. As a last-ditch effort to figure out what was down in this bottomless pit, Duke Berka offered anyone being executed a pardon if they agreed to be lowered into the hole to find the bottom. The first man, a young gentleman in his early 20s, was lowered in, but after a few moments, he began to scream hysterically. And when they brought him back up, his hair was white, and it appeared as though he had aged 30 years in a matter of moments. Sadly, the man died two days later of unknown causes, and every person lowered after that suffered the same fate as him. A chapel was built over this hole, and a castle whose main purpose was to keep something in rather than keeping people out was built around it. This, this is the beginning of Castle Busca. <laughs> okay, so the some other things that I want to bring up about Castle Huska. Yeah, because you said that was that, just the beginning. Yeah, so basically. It's been described in modern days as a cube within a cube within a cube. So if we talk about like castles and how they are built, it's almost like modern day you know skyscrapers. There's a a common blueprint. They all kind of function the same, but this castle doesn't function like all the other castles. So all the battlements are on the inside. There's no running water. There's no moat. Um, there's nothing to show that it was made as a fortress to protect people from outsiders because the only thing that's opened is the courtyard and everything is facing toward the courtyard um, in the middle of this castle. So it's like it was built to contain everything or built to contain whatever was coming out of this chasm, chasm or however Rob wants me to say it, right? So – it, uh, it and then the other thing is so the no running water the no sewage but in the windows they say that all the windows were faked so they were walled up from the inside so you couldn't see in but that's like if you do the research you you come to find out that that's total bullshit because there are actual pictures of windows with lights coming into it from the castle so nobody knows really where that came from but uh the the other thing is the chapel has some of the oldest known frescoes in Europe and they depict Archangel Mick killing demons and a female centaur shooting an arrow into a man's heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are no other examples of this in anywhere else in Europe. So this is the only ones that have survived and just the whole iconography of it just kind of matches up with the story that people thought that these demons were coming out of this hole. Now we you know we talked about how that uh, as the permafrost in Siberia was starting to melt that uh, they discovered like uh, deer carcasses or reindeer carcasses with anthrax mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. So I kind of started to wonder that if maybe something like that didn't happen in this area and when the sinkhole opened up that something like a flu virus or whatever exposed 
you know, to these villagers. And that could actually, you know, scientifically explain why everybody started to get crippled, why livestock was dying. So, you know, this is a very superstitious part of the country. I mean, even today, if you go over to the Czech Republic, Prague, places like that, you have these small villages where they still believe in vampires and they have all these rituals because it's still a, you know, that superstition is a heavy part of their culture. So, you know, they're going to automatically think, you know, giant chasm opens up, people are dying, it's a gateway to hell but you know from a scientific standpoint maybe there was something in there like uh you know anthrax that had been buried for god knows how long and these people anthrax. were exposed anthrax <laughs> i wasn't gonna correct him i already got him to say chasm i'm happy there so <laughs> what was it that you were mispronouncing earlier what was that word rob <laughs> <laughs> So now, is this place still around today? It is. It's actually, and it's one of the oldest uh, surviving castles from that time period. So when you mm. think about all the castles from that era, most of them yeah. are already in a state of disarray. You know, maybe just like a foundation wall or two are still standing, but this castle in its entirety is still up and still running. And the the neat thing about the groundwater, so where it was built, um, they they can never drill a well, and so they can never actually get functioning water there. But in the 80s, this real, uh, rehabilitation company that uh, wanted to create like a, a health spa decided to take it over. And they had to drill down 900 feet just to touch water, which that would kind of explain why the castle never had running water. Because back in 1200, you you know, they probably couldn't make a well deeper than 50, 60 mm-hmm. feet or whatever. Yeah. So they had to go down 900 feet. And when they finally got to water, it was all irradiated. Because around that area during the Cold War, the Russians were testing nuclear weapons and things like that. So they had fucked the groundwater for the whole entire area. So it became known as the Devil's Well or the Devil's Water. And uh, even to this day, nobody uses the the water from that well because it's all radiated with you know nuclear huh. waste and whatnot. And uh, during the uh, two th- or early 2000s, they were doing archaeological excavations around the area, and they found three Nazi bodies. Um, and it was reported that uh, Nazi bell experiments and occult practices uh, were being t- took place in the castle during World War II era. So it was actually occupied historically by the Nazis during World War II. And if you want to get into the paranormal aspect of it, people have seen shadow people. And either a headless man or a headless horse with blood gushing out of it. Reports kind of differ, so there's some decapitated thing running around the courtyard. And a faceless black-robed priest hanging out in what's been dubbed Satan's office. So down in the bottom part of the castle, there's a room, and they had like this Game of Thrones chair. And uh, they they claim that uh, they always see this this faceless priest sitting in the chair he gets up he you know walks up the stairs and disappears so ghost hunters international um did a case study there and it was really kind of funny because the guy that was getting ready to sit down in satan's chair kind of lowered himself in and it was like and he's like did you guys hear that did you guys hear that squeak and it was obvious that the man just farted (laughs) <laughs> and uh, one of the uh, one of the local ghost tours that uh, uh, does a there's like a like a haunted tour in that castle 
They yeah. actually said that, uh, that that Satan's chair was faked. It's just a prop that they brought into the castle, you know, maybe in the mid-90s or whatever as a tourist attraction. So it really has no history with the castle. It's just something they added in there. So it kind of debunks the whole Satan's chair thing, but whatever. That now, as far as, story. as far as the rest of the, the Ghost Hunters International episode, they didn't really get any good EVPs. Um the coolest thing that the, that they caught was a malfunction on a camera. They were uh, they set it up on a, a clicker to where it would click and it would take a photo by remote, and the the clicker got stuck and it was just sitting there, picture after picture after picture after picture, and uh, it was right after they heard a growl over an EVP. So I mean that could have been a belly rumbling or whatever, but it's yeah. just the fact that that malfunction, yeah, or a fart. Yeah, or a fart. Uh-huh. And then uh, the guy had asked, you know, if anybody's here, I want you to throw this rock back. So he threw a rock down in the attic, um, and then all of a sudden you see the rock fly back at him. But it was so dark and in that attic that, I mean, a producer could have been on the other side and thrown that rock back in the way they would yeah. edit the shot. So, I mean, if you want to take it that that's a true experience, I mean, obviously there was something there that threw that rock back. But uh, there's also a hunting lodge um, outside of the castle, and a young group of adults stayed in the hunting lodge. And they woke up in the middle of the night. They they heard this rap, this loud thump on the ground, and uh, they you know they just started freaking out. And they lit the candles, and they saw this giant shadow figure walk around where they were the beds where they were sleeping, and it moved its way up the staircase. And when it got to the top of the stairs. They heard this whisper fill the the hunting lodge saying, "Let's kill the girls," and then it just disappeared. So there, I mean, there's a lot of personal experiences. the The current owner of it was having a dinner party, and a, you know, his goblet full of wine picked up and floated in front of everybody, and then flew back to him. And so, you know, there's a bunch of personal experiences. But uh, as far as going down into the giant hole of hell, mm-hmm. uh. When they built the current castle on top of it, they actually, because they kept pouring rubble down in it and it seemed like it would never fill up and they could never find the the, the bottom to it, they decided to cover up with slabs like giant granite slabs and uh, then built the church on top of it. So there's really no access to the hole, so to speak, just, you know, historical documents saying that at one time there was a giant opening there. So, Very, very interesting. So if you go to that part of the world, you have giant holes to hell, you have <laughs> cannibals, you have uh-huh. vampires, and uh, unsolved ghostly murders um, like Amityville Horror. Yeah. I think I'll just stay here in the States. Yeah. <laughs> um, announcements for this month. We talked about it um, in the last couple episodes. We're going to do four episodes this month because it's October and why not? Perfect time for... Spooky tales and tales of terror and suspense. And over the last year, we've been kind of stockpiling some uh, listener stories we've been getting. So we're going to do two bonus episodes on the off weeks of our normal shows. So we're going to get four of them. And those shows are going to probably be pretty heavy with the listener stories. We may put some extra content in there as well. But yeah, if you want, there is still time to submit listener stories to us. Like on the end of every episode, we have an outro with different ways to get a hold of us. Primarily, email us your stories at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. 
and we will definitely check those out. If you want to message us on Facebook, we have our Facebook. Send us a message. Send me a personal message. That's how I got a couple of these puppies is uh, people I know that didn't really want to expose who they may really be, have definitely had weird stuff happen and want to get out there and tell people. So send us all your stories. Message any of us independently. That's right, guys. I just offered that for you. Yeah, hit us up. Um, There's still plenty of time for us to add those to our roster that we've got leading into uh, our episodes. So that means we'll have one special episode come out on Halloween. Halloween's a Tuesday this year. So you'll get our Tuesday. uh, Yeah, you'll get our second uh, bonus episode this month on Halloween. So we'll cook up something real special for you there. But uh, yep, if you've got something you want it included, send it in. You can remain anonymous. I think a lot of people have had weird shit happen to them that you're a little bit embarrassed to tell people. Well, we can be that uh, that listening ear, that shoulder to cry on. So if you got a story, send it in. Listen to the end of the episode. There'll be many avenues listed. You can get a hold of us. So. Let's plug some shit and get out of here. Yeah. Oh, indeed. Podcast by our brothers, uh, Big Steven and Brady. Give it a listen. Uh, I want to shout out to Pixelated Radio Podcast with me, mm-hmm. Corey, Rich, and Mark. Also, Mark's podcast, Pixelated Sausage Cast. Um, he's been talking about a lot of games and anime lately. Of course, that's what he always talks about. Um, also, uh, the main event podcast with Evan and Zach. However, I'm not sure what's going on there. I didn't listen to the last episode, but I know Evan is going off to lineman school, he said. So I don't know if that's going to, if they're going to be doing the podcast over Skype or something like that. I don't know. You had to go to school to be a lineman for football? It's not a lineman. It's not that kind of line. I think it's like works on utility poles. Yeah, I know. That's a really shitty joke. Go sports. Yeah, I know. (laughs) So... But uh, I don't know what's going to go on with that podcast. I, I haven't uh-huh. listened, like I said. But ho- I, I don't know if there. I don't know what's going to happen. I just know there's going to be some changes. So I don't know. Maybe it, maybe Evan won't be on there at all. I don't know. <laughs> we will have uh, to find out. We will find but, out. Soon. But if you like to talk about beer and wrestling, then they're the guys. Yeah, it's a good show. I enjoy it a lot. We ought to try to find a way too to get those guys on the show sometime. Yeah. Yeah. Might be an editing nightmare for me to have to edit five tracks, but it's for the list. If we ever did that, we'd have just put it out on Skype because that's going to be way too much work. Yeah, no, I know. That's my suggestion. So, yeah, definitely (laughs) check those guys out. And check out Sports Cars Unleashed. Oh, fuck. I knew I was forgetting something. I got you, buddy. Check out Rich's podcast where he talks about sports cars and how to unleash them. If you enjoy things with four wheels that go vroom, vroom, you would love Rich's podcast. So check that out. And if you have a beard like the three of us, you should also go check out BigDobsBeardBomb.com. He keeps all of our three beards nice and soft and luxurious. Check him out. He's got lots of different flavors, lots of different scents. But you He's don't eat soaps. these. Let's make that let's make that clear. That's true. They're not for eating. They're not for eating. To... What? They're not for eating. Oh, Even though they're shit. flavors, they're not for eating. <laughs> I've always called variations of scents flavors for some reason and one day it's going to get me or somebody in trouble so please don't eat them don't eat them but i think they're all from pretty much organic uh ingredients so eh, you know i'm not saying you can't eat it i'm not saying you couldn't eat it i'm saying you shouldn't eat it that's what i'm saying right now on record i mean yeah he's got <laughs> he's got oils he's got balms with an num. l uh he's got soaps you can get t-shirts everything it's made in nebraska right here in the u.s of a 
pretty fantastic stuff. And if you go to his website, bigdobsbeardbomb.com, you can use the promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your entire purchase. So check that out. Nice. Nice. All right. Anybody got anything else? Any good shows to plug? You've been watching on the old Teletube? No. Sweet. Um, I really liked it. Or how is that giant pile of steaming shit? It's not bad. What is it? The Orville. Oh. Seth MacFarlane's last attempt to be relevant. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I want to watch it, but I know the first moment he does that flipping Peter Griffin voice that he relies on so much, I'll just get so irate and just turn it off, so I'm not even going to give it a shot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, putting my foot down. We finished up the season finale of The Low Files, and my God, if that wasn't a fun show. Here I am putting down the Orville, and I'm just celebrating <laughs> Rob Lowe's paranormal investigation show. So to each their own, folks. Watch what you want. But yeah, Low Files is great. I hope there's a season two. Rick and Morty, season oh, finale. Yeah, that was a good one. I liked that. I liked that a lot. Did you watch it, Rob, the season finale? Yes. Yeah, it's a pretty good one. I dug it. I don't feel like this season was. I don't. The season had some good episodes and stuff, but mm-hmm. I don't feel like it was. It didn't have that punch like the yeah, last season did. It was a little bit lackluster in a way. And what I was reading online is originally it's supposed to be a fourteen episode season. See, that's what I remember. That yeah. I remember you saying yeah. that they were hoping to take it longer. But yeah, there's supposed to be extra episodes this season, and for some reason it got cut down to ten episodes. So, but you know what? At the end. This is a spoiler alert, guys. You've got five seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. Uh, Mr. Poopy Butthole does say something about coming back with a Santa Claus hat on. So mm. maybe we'll get a couple extra episodes in December. I don't know. Don't hold your breath. Mm. I mean, it's possible. It could he be. I mean, that April Fool's gag time. was pretty great. What, Preston? He also said, uh, I'll see you again in a very long time. That's yeah, he did say that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, who knows? I heard I'll something have, came well, up. The kids will be all short. grown up by then. Woo-wee, <laughs> <laughs> woo-wee. Got, got married and had a baby. Woo-wee. Little oh, baby butthole. If anybody's into Expedition Unknown and Monster Hunter or, oh, I forget, Josh Gates, the guy on Travel Channel, I think he's fantastic. He's got a new show on Expedition Unknown. Um, it's like a search for extraterrestrial life. It's a kind of miniseries. Um, he talks to NASA and other people and crazy folks that live out in the desert about UFOs and his big quest to kind of shed some light on that. So, Didn't you once tell me you thought that, that would be our love child if we were ever to have I'm pretty sure child? in another time and another place we had an illegitimate child together. <laughs> and his name was Josh Gates, and he became the world's leading expert on traveling and finding I'm going to go now. Just going to go. The, the oh, door yeah, is getting right kind of hot in here, isn't it, Rob? Back out of here. <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah things are getting kind of hot we'll go ahead and pull the plug right now i don't want to be responsible for anybody having to pull their cars over because things are getting a little heated awkward all right with all that we say thank you so much for listening and we will catch you guys four times this month well you'll catch some of them four times this month yeah rob are you gonna be there here you might you might hear some rob you might not who knows who knows? Who just later. think. 
You get three more of these after this one. So Rob's going to be like a Mr. Poopy butthole and just kind of drop in at the very end. <laughs> Woo wee! Right. That was a lot of action we had there. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you do. That would be fantastic. Boy, lots of stuff went down. Preston and Sean did a lot of stories, didn't they? What about that one story about that one thing that was real spooky? Woo wee! <laughs> <laughs> oh, good stuff alright with that thank you guys so much for listening and don't forget if you want to send a listener story find a way text me call me find message me on Facebook whatever just get it in there spooky stories um, find a way find a way <laughs> alright thank you so much peace the cast that pixelated paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the paranormal highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. You have two ways. One, email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, we have that set up too. Dial us at 707-523-4263. Again, that's 707-523-4263. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange.